Now here's the good news. Everything that God asks you to do, he first gives you as a gift. He requires faith in the kingdom, so he gives you his actually very own faith that he operates in. Romans 11 is brilliant. In him, to him, through him are all things. Genesis 1, when time began, God. It all begins with God. One of the great lies of the Babylonian system and the world system that's been set up is actually what took place in Genesis 3. It's not, there's not, to me, in my opinion, there's not a small thing taking place there. One of the reasons that tree was supposed to grow perpetually is because it was a sign to me that God was their source. So what does he attack, the enemy? God being their source of all things. God wants to be your source of all things. Look at John 5 quickly here. Still with me? I don't think God's done yet, so I'm going. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. I want to stop right there. I want to suggest to you that Jesus is fully God, fully man, right? And he is the first man since Adam to express God's original intent for the world. The difference between Adam and Jesus is that for the first, God actually improved upon the perfection he created in Adam. In Jesus, he now lived in a man. But Adam was perfect too. So you can do it if you're God. He improved upon perfection. This is a good God. But Jesus is choosing to live as the Son of Man. And as the Son of Man, he's got a free choice. He tells Pilate, he says to him, he says, no one takes my life from me. In the garden, he goes, this is not going to be, this is going to be tough. That's another discipleship thing. Just because it's tough doesn't mean it's not God. That's American. I'm not saying tough like beat yourself up. Stuff like, that's this weird stuff. I'm just saying sometimes it will be challenging. And if you're like, I just never done this before. Welcome to walking with God. <laughs> like if you thought you could do it on your own, like the whole point is you need him. But you got to trust. He is not making like this weird, like I can't do it. He's, it's actually an expression of the posture of his heart. He actually has a choice. That he says, but I, in my mind, I will never entertain anything God has not called me to do. When Jesus taught about this life in the kingdom, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He was not talking about their bank account. He was talking about someone going, I need you, God. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Then I love this statement. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. What's he expressing? What's he expressing? He's expressing a positioning of the heart. To become like him, it requires you to recognize your need for him. Now here's an also an important point. An understanding of how he thinks will never be given to a casual seeker. 
and understanding of how he thinks will never be given to a casual seeker. God never created you to visit moments inside of him. He never created you just get a word here and there. He never created you to have this encounter and then like kind of, you know, come here to get an encounter to make it through the next week. And that's also, that's also part of God's vision for your life. God's vision for your life is for you to learn how to steward yourself so you can know how to steward the world that, in which you live in. It's very important. That's why maturity is so important. But if you can't handle your own emotions, you can't deliver someone of their fear. Again, you will visit those places, but you will never grow into maturity in those things. It's almost sort of through. But I don't think you came on a Friday night for a sermonette. Sermonette made Christianettes, and you're a warrior. This is how he talked about the kingdom. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a... Let's start in verse 44. He gives two expressions of it. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it sells all that he has and buys the field. The kingdom of God was meant to give you everything you ever wanted. Say that again. The kingdom of God was given to give you everything you ever wanted. Your greatest satisfaction can only be found inside the kingdom of God. Cannot be found in ministering to people. Cannot be found in your job. Cannot be found in being cool, having lots of likes on Facebook. It can only be found inside the kingdom of God. Then he tells it again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls that when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. People get mad at 10 and he wants all. (laughs) Two expressions. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. Understanding is never given to a casual seeker. So let's look at this point and just for, for just a moment here. The goal of God is not for you just to make it in this life. The goal of God is to teach you how to steward what's in your hand and to grow to overcome all things. I like how um, they put in the message translation. Every person who believes Jesus is in fact the Messiah is God begotten. And if we love the one who is conceived by the child, we'll surely love the child who was conceived. The reality test on whether or not we love God's children is this. Do we love God? Do we keep his commandments? The proof that we love God comes when we keep his commandments and they are not troublesome. That's also a mark of maturity. That you don't see. And that's why Jesus taught this principle. He said, no one can serve two masters. No one. No one. No one. That means no one. In the original language. He would either love the one and despise the other. That's why you're not sort of doing things of God. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. Here's another important point. God never asked you to do something. He, also, he asked you to produce things. Well, I'm trying. He didn't ask you to try. He told you to do. But one of the marks of maturity is you do not see the commands of the Lord as burdensome. Too many believers in their immaturity see the commands of the Lord as burdensome. 
I want you to come tomorrow night. Yep, but he went really long tonight. And you know, I don't go to that church. And you know, there's like a game on tomorrow night or something. And my son has soccer tomorrow. I'm going to be there all day. So I'm going to be really tired. It's my only day off. I want you to go to the meeting. You're viewing the command of the Lord as burdensome. I can really do that, but I'm saved. So I know that's wrong. What are they secretly in their heart? They're despising the command of the Lord to them. I'm convinced a lot of believers don't break through financially because they're actually secretly mad at God that he would ask them for 10%. So they curse even that 10% of that's supposed to be an act of worship. That's why I said, not begrudgingly, but out of your heart. Every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. The person who wins out over the world's ways, I love this, is simply one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. The person who wins out over the world's ways is simply, we can interchange that, it's not a distortion of the scripture, is one who trusts Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Why do you do that? Like, I trust God. Well, then you can go, God, I trust God. I trust you with this situation. I trust you, that person at work, that's acting like the devil. I trust you. I trust you for my children. And I remember years ago, I was driving I was driving down um, to, uh, I remember just going to Myrtle Beach to do this youth camp and all these things as I'm driving down I-95 just hit my, hit my brain and I go, I just trust you, God. And then like four minutes later, they all came back again. Me, not you. I know that never happens to anyone in the room. Maybe Mike Barr, but maybe... Uh, God, I trust you. And all that stuff lifted off. <clears throat> Close with this. This is my third closing. It's only 9.25. What is the foundation for mature disciples? It actually brought you into this dialogue with the Lord. I'm actually teaching you out of this dialogue today. What a, what a beautiful God that talks to men. Westminster Catechism, right? Catechism. To teach theology by asking questions. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to know God and enjoy Him forever. God, if you are bored following God, Please get delivered of the American Jesus. Because he's not boring in any way. He is going to be the most beautiful thing to behold in the coming days and years in the earth. I'm not saying this stuff doesn't have a place, but we've done so much stuff to make people want to come to a building. If you just make him important, they'll come. The most disappointing thing to people is they're looking for an answer and we give them a nice message. 
And if we need nice communicators, they're going to go to Tony Robbins. He's better than you anyway. Than your little... Pa- Anyways. Words of life. Things that make a difference. Truth. Secrets of men. Healings. Demonstrations. Healings are not so we can have the show. They are because God never intended people to live with sickness and disease. So we display that as believers. We display something different. It's not for the show. It's not for like Instagram testimonies. The choice to build correctly will define the fruit that you produce. And Jesus commands us to bear much fruit. The choice to build correctly will define if you can stand firmly in difficulty. You notice in Matthew 7 when he talks about the storm, both people are going through the storm. He doesn't exempt you from the storm, but he exempts you how you're going to experience that storm. The choice to build correctly defines whether or not you fulfill the high call. Two things, Matthew 22 here. There's a simplicity to the gospel and there's a simple message. And if you haven't heard anything tonight, please hear this. Your life will go very well if you live these two verses. Your life will go very well if you live these two verses. Your life will go very well if you live these two verses. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as your health, as yourself, excuse me. This is NIV. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Two verses are not disconnected. They're connected to each other. It's only in the context of loving God can you really love your neighbor as yourself. I, I when you don't when you know you're when you don't know and are not growing in an awareness of God's kindness for you, you are generally not nice to other people. But you also see something else. A life of intentional fellowship with God is not disconnected from day-to-day activities. Let me say that again. A life of fellowship with God is not disconnected from day-to-day activities. And you'll also see a biblical worldview in what Jesus is saying there. In the Hebraic mind, they would never understand secular and spiritual. You want to understand how, how a Hebrew thought was Psalm 16. I have set the Lord always before me. So tonight we had a worship service. But when I'm ministering to people, when, I'm, when I am involved in activity at my job, when I am when I'm uh, buying groceries, it all is an act of worship. That's why Paul picks up on this concept and he says, pray without ceasing. 
Live with the consciousness that I'm always around you in everything that you do. So it is the ability, and one of the marks of maturity is the ability to display God in everything that you do and realize that he doesn't want to use you. He is actually in you to co-labor with you. And he wants to do everything with you. And the more you track with him, the more likely he will increase what he's put in your hand. There's some things I'm going, what? Really, I'm really busy working for you. Like, do you want me to sleep? And then I realize, if I don't do what he's saying, I'm already dying. Got to flip the switch on that one. And so I will do everything he's asked me to do. And I will go, I don't know how I'm ever going to do this. And suddenly you start doing it and all these things that he set aside for you in that area of your life, you discover how to do well. Close with this story tonight. I think I, I, I thought about it and I mentioned in the prayer room. My parents have a, your foster parents. My parents are my heroes. Who are your spiritual parents? I got some great mentors and fathers in my life, but they were my mom and dad. I didn't have to look outside my home. To this day, they're in their 70s. They don't act like they're 70s. I look at some people and they're like, I'm 62, and they look, Lord Jesus, my parents are like 12 years older than them. Anyway, so my parents stay young. My mom got COVID in January. She was walking every morning. She said, this thing's not defeating me in the name of Jesus. Doing her morning walk. <laughs> She's not leaving the earth anytime soon. But they're foster parents. And um, they've had this little boy. My, I call him my boy. His name is David. Miraculously, he's still with him. He came at four months old. He's nine now. And I was... Uh, I was... Um, I was ministering in October outside New York City, so I was staying with my parents. and I hadn't seen him much because I was really busy and ministering, and I was gone most of the time. And I was flying in and out. And he comes down on Sunday morning. He says, what are you doing? And I could tell he wanted to hang out. I actually was getting ready to minister that morning. He said, can we play? And I heard the Lord say, you should play with him. Why? Because everything's an act of worship unto God wasn't taking me away. I was committing myself to worship in that moment. Because a little boy, whose biological father couldn't take care of him, needs to know that people love him. It was just as important to anyone I ministered to that day, any person I ministered in the public place, And everything we do can be an act of worship unto God. Lord, I thank you that you're raising up a mature people, a mature bride. If you just receive this word, I just want you to lift your hands.